All right, everyone, welcome to Strictly Hockey. I'm Jacob Brown, joined with CJ Yuri and Adam Kupferman. We're back for Strictly Hockey. It's been a while. We didn't get to do it during the playoffs because I was out in Forest City doing baseball, but now I'm here, the beginning of the season. It's creeped up. We're just, it's October, it's uh, October 11th's opening night for the Rangers and Lightning. I think that's the first game of the year, but preseason just came up on Monday night. I was like, holy cow, the Rangers are playing tonight. And I, you know, I put it on the laptop on the side while judges chasing 61 but I'm, I'm i'm happy to talk hockey today it's back and all three of our teams are good which is really good uh so that's fun to talk about so uh first off uh cj we got your panthers uh they they made a lot of transactions throughout the offseason i wouldn't even call them additions and subtractions because we don't really know how to quantify what it is they did a lot of quote-unquote even swaps of superstars. So I think you can maybe say a subtraction is Uyghur because you didn't really replace Uyghur. Uh, but in terms of offensive value, they did a lot of swapping out uh, of talent. Um, and then as far as the lightning go, uh, they just kind of let go of Andre Palat, Ryan McDonough, two veterans that were taking up a lot of cap space. They're gone now. And now some younger guys are going to have to fill the void um, as well because Kalorn, he's in his final year as well. They're going to need some guys. And then as far as my Rangers go, they just made some swaps as well. Strom uh, is out. Trocheck in. We'll get into that later. So let's start with the Panthers here. CJ, what are you feeling about them going into this season? Huberto out to Chuck in. It's a swap, but I, I kind of like it. I like to Chuck more than Huberto for the future. Well, I will say this. Like, just off of the emotional value, look, I was at Jonathan Huberto's first ever game with the Florida Panthers. I watched him score his first goal. He was a Panther through and through. He for sure did not want to leave. I have so we have some um, family friends that uh, do a lot of work with the Florida Panthers, and it was a massive shock for the family. It was a massive shock for Jonathan Huberto. He wanted to stay here his whole career. Emotional, uh, emotionally, it it definitely hurt see him go like don't get me wrong but again look at the swap like you said you go from a guy that's about to be 30 to a guy that's 24 you go and then you know you locked him up for seven to eight years at a, a good price because the salary cap is going to go up right tv deals and whatnot like like this is a great price you have barkoff and tachuk at a really good price and zito knows what he's doing look i understand that there's been a ton of negative backlash towards him trading away draft picks Trading away, you know, a couple like players. Um, like for some reason, people are still hung up on Owen Tippett going to the Philadelphia Flyers for Claude Giroux. Newsflash: I pumped Tippett's tires for years, he and he did. never did shit. Okay, like he didn't. He had every chance in the book. He played line two with Huberto, and he played line one with Barkov. And literally anybody that's touched those two lines has had great years, and he couldn't get it going. So, I guess if we talk about the current roster, I mean. I actually think where you're going to see the the biggest issues if they do arise is going to be in the bottom six. Mason Marchment being gone is actually much bigger than people probably realize. A lot of Panthers fans like to tell you, well, when Marchment was out in the regular season was for 17 games, we went 14 and three or whatever. whatever. Okay, we went 14 and three, but when he went down in the playoffs, we missed him a ton because he was a he's a big fucking kid. He's six four. Like, and he bangs by, like, that's so, okay. He, he hits guys <laughs> left and right. Okay. And, um, I would like to say this. 
Zito is following a lot of what I like to call like the Miami Heat method. You get these guys that are that are talent, they're talented, but you get them on low contracts. They didn't get a chance at their former organization to show what they got, and you hope that they hit. A la Carter Verhage, or let's call it Mason Marchment, or you know, the list goes on, right? With these guys, like even Lomberg. Lomberg's a fan favorite, and he got like the Calgary Flames didn't even want to keep him around, really, right? So you got these guys like Nick Cousins coming in and Rudolph Rudolph's Balsers or whatever. And when you look at their tape, they're they're highly skilled defensive forwards, like de- defensively, but they never had a chance to get up ice and show what they can do. I'm not saying that they're gonna they're gonna score 20 plus goals, not at all. But if you can get these guys to get 10 plus goals, uh, you know, and in you know 20 assists or 15 plus assists or whatever, and they're and they're adding to your defensive game, and we're not in these run and gun games uh, on a random Wednesday night where it's four to five in the third period. I think you made a great trade. And, you know, Adam will tell you right now, what did the Panthers lack a ton of in the playoffs? And I would say the Capitals exposed the shit out of them. In my honest opinion, look, we had season tickets for the for the playoffs. The whole season in the playoffs, I went to every single home playoff game. We got hit out of the building in the Washington Capitals series, but they were so much less skilled that it didn't matter. And we, you know, we won in six, right? We scored when we wanted to score against the Capitals. We couldn't score when we wanted to score against the Lightning because no one was willing to get to the dirty areas. No one wanted to make the plays behind the net. No one wanted to dive out and, and make a block, make a block like freaking Stamkos is on the end of the ice, like laying his body on the line as if like if he doesn't, he's going to die tomorrow. Like that was the problem. Huberto was was neutralized from the start of these playoffs because he couldn't do anything physical. Uyghur was a turnover machine. I feel bad for the guy because I think he's a fantastic defenseman and he he got a lot of negative press. He tried so hard to force the puck up the ice way too many times. I actually thought the writing was on the wall for Uyghur here. I did. He, I know what he was going to want money wise. He wasn't going to get it here. Zito did not want to give him that money. He's too many turnovers in the playoffs. I like what the Panthers did defensive aspect in the bottom six is going to be there. These guys block shots, look at their hits, look at their block shots numbers. They're better than anybody in the bottom six last year for the Panthers. And to Chuck is a massive headache. This is the first trade since the Gretzky. I forget whatever trade that, that there was with a hundred plus point forwards. I know I'm going off on a tangent, but in my opinion, the Panthers are going to be a much harder team to play against. They're not going to have the same record as last year. They're not going to score as many goals, but they're going to be harder to play against. And they're going to have a grit and, and sandpaper edge that extends beyond Radko Gudis this year. That is what they needed. So I like where we are. I think we'll probably be like third in the division, second or third right there. I don't think we win the division, but in my opinion... I'd rather be second or third, not make as much noise in the regular season, less pressure, get to the playoffs, show your game. Barkov and Ekblad to the media are saying that they're sad Huber and Uyghur are gone, but I think that they're really happy with the additions. Much, much, much harder team to play against. My only worry is that blue line. Uyghur gone, didn't really address it. Hopefully somebody hits. Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with what you're saying. I think the bottom six definitely is a, Point of concern for you guys, uh, losing Uyghur in your top four defensemen. I think that obviously is going to affect you guys. I'm looking more at goaltending for you guys. I think you're putting a lot of pressure on uh, on Bobrovsky to make sure that that he's making big saves at big times. I think he was kind of, I mean, you've seen it the last two years for the Panthers in the playoffs that they've kind of gone on a goaltending carousel a little bit. Uh, Spencer Knight just signed, a, I believe it was a three-year, $4 million extension, something like yeah, that. Yeah, four and a half. Yeah, yeah. so... 
I think you're looking at him and you're, you're looking at a 1A, 1B right now. Um, that scares me a little bit. you either got a guy making 11 million who now is fighting for his life against a, some kid or some kid's going to take over the net who really doesn't really have that much experience. Well, you know, let me ask I, you this question. Like you, you watched obviously every single lightning game, of course. And especially in the playoffs, you don't miss it. You don't miss a single second of the games. You Bobrovsky has had a ton of questions since he's been in Florida, but his very best stretch was the playoffs last year. He was yeah. not at all the issue. I mean, that last game that we lost to you guys was one zero. The right. game before that, I think was three to one with an empty netter at the end. Like the guy, he actually looked really good. Obviously Vasilevsky is the best goalie in the league. You're going to get right. outshined no matter what, but Bobrovsky, in my opinion, I think he earned his contract a little bit last year. He started oh, well. every game in the playoffs. And the, obviously the year before we had the goal, goaltending carousel, but I actually think that Bobrovsky answered the bell this year and he totally was not the reason why we got swept by the No, line. he's absolutely not the reason why you got swept. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just looking at the roster itself and saying like, this is a question mark. For me it's a lot of pressure. I agree. Because right. Because we've seen him at both ends of the scale. We've seen him in the playoff run last year where, you know, he looked exactly, he did everything he needed to do. He just didn't get the scoring up front. And we've seen him, you know, in 2020 or 2021, whenever it was that he couldn't make a save and his team scored six goals a night for him. So that that's one thing that scares me. Obviously, if he continues where he left off last year, I think you guys have no problem, but it, it is something in the back of my mind that I, that I am worried about. Is Spencer Knight ready? If, if Bob is in a rough stretch, is he ready to kind of carry this team, you know, on a, on a heater like that? So I look at that that kind of scares me. And obviously I think you, you pointed it out greatly. I mean, the lightning kind of figured it out a little bit. I mean, going out and getting Barkley Goodrow and Blake Coleman and addressing their physicality. I think that's really what helped them over the last two years. And even last year, going out and getting Hagel, going out and getting Nick Paul, I think those help answer the questions about physicality, which you need in the playoffs to be successful. Now the Panthers, Panthers have done that. They've kind of reorganized their bottom six to make it more guys who aren't necessarily going to fill the back of the net, but they're going to block shots. They're going to be physical. They're going to get in your face. Adding Kachuk, obviously, I would argue I would argue that I would rather have him over Huberto in postseason play. I would argue that. Um, and looking at that, I think Zito's done a great job of kind of restructuring this team to, to be more postseason ready without blowing up everything altogether. So I look at the Panthers team. I agree with you. I don't think they're going to challenge. I think Toronto wins this division pretty relatively easily as long as their goaltending holds up. Um, it pains me I, to say this, but I agree. I actually think the Maple Leafs have one of those really good regular seasons yeah. where they're like, I'm freaking done with this media and the losing, and they just yep. go off on a tear. I totally agree that it's so, the Maple Leafs division to win. Yep. And then you look at it too. And I think it's, you know, probably Panthers two, lightning three again. And here we go. You're three, baby. Dude. I mean, to be fair, like, and like in all honesty for the sport of hockey in the state of Florida, I am. Give me another series of the lightning and Panthers. I will double. I will triple down. Give it to me. We need to beat you guys at some point. And, and in my opinion, with the, with the lightnings, the lightning are one of those organizations in the NHL right now, where no matter who leaves the organization, even if it's McDonough and Palat, which are two huge, first of all, fan favorites. And on top of that, like two guys that just get it and they know how to play in the playoffs and they don't make mistakes and they're annoying to play against. And freaking Palat, you could, he could be a ghost all game, but then he'll come up with like a crazy clutch goal or crazy clutch defensive play and clear the zone. But the Lightning have earned the right of, uh, and the title of it being an organization that no matter who leaves, you're still sitting there like, Dude, I don't care if they left or not. You don't have an argument against me. 
we're going to figure it out. They're one of those organizations where they're allowed to like lose whoever. And you're like, the lightning will still be there at the end. Yeah, and no, that's the and, freaking case. It's, it's the and, case. And the thing is, and going back to the Panthers a little bit here, I, I don't like the left side of their defense either. I mean, you lose Uyghur and that's a lot of pressure to put on Forsling on the left side. I, I don't see really much else on that left side. They lost Sherratt as well, which I understand he wasn't the best acquisition anyway, but that I was hoping we would little. retain Sherrod. He's a, he's a big defenseman. He's yeah, got a lot of and, and so that, that leaves you with two gone on that left side when that was a weakness in of itself last year when you had scoring going on in the bottom six. And, and it's also funny, when you look at that bottom six, last year we're talking about, hey, you could scratch almost a full line. You can almost have a fifth line on the Panthers. And now we're talking about how are we going to form this, this bottom six together so I, I think it will put itself together because of the things that you guys have been mentioning. You got to get more physical in the bottom six. You don't need scoring down there. It's nice to get, uh, but you don't need it. You need to prioritize defensive forwards and and blocking shots and hitting in the corners. So totally agree. Two things that I'll say before we move on from, from the Panthers, right? Two things that I think are going to happen this year, just media related. I think that there will be a Gustav Forsling parade this year. I think he is so good. He is a great skater and he's going to get more ice time now. He was, in my opinion, our best defenseman in the playoffs, rarely made any mistakes. And he pushes the puck up the ice. He He's that good of a skater where he can do it himself. I thought he looked way better than Ekblad last year looked way better than Uyghur. So I'm totally cool with putting my eggs in, in one basket with, with Forsling on line two or line one with Ekblad or line two anchoring his own line. I think he's good enough to do that. And then the other thing that I'll say is, is I think that they're going to rely heavily on Anton Lundell. And I'm very interested to see, because I think he's got the, the sky is the limit for this kid. He's an incredible player. He's like mini Barkov 2.0, great defensive player. And he's got great uh, offensive skills. I'm I'm really interested to see if there's a little bit of a sophomore slump from him because he had a really good rookie campaign, but once you get relied on more, it then you have that like little slump in the sophomore year where it's like, oh, okay, now I have to be relied on. And then he has a big junior year, but I don't think the Panthers can really afford that this year. Like the Lundell needs to be, all systems go and improve. So I think that that as like a not so Homer side of things, like I think Lundell like actually... It's going to have a massive role this year, and it's it's going to be pivotal that he... Well, and I, and I think what's interesting about the construction of the roster, too, is that you're going to have multiple young players that might be even on the fourth line if they can't make that top nine, uh, because you have a player like Lusterinen, where does he even... You you, you have a third-line center. Is, the, is it Lusterinen? Is it Lundell? Do you have to put one on a wing? Uh, so that's well, where just so that you know, which is a really good point that you just made. They've been running for the first few weeks of training camp the same line one for Hagee, Barkov, Lundell. That has been the same Barkov's line one, which I was pretty shocked about, to be honest with you. But I think Maurice is Paul Maurice is like saying, fuck it. Like these guys have a great connection to finish. They I think Lundell lives in the lives in Barkov's house. He's like just put them on line one. So I, that's just a little bit to your point. Like, do you have to put one of them on line one? Because I think Luce Terrine and it's for sure good enough to be a third line center. Anyway. Yeah. No, I, I do agree. The last question I have is uh, how big of a role do you think coach Q has in, uh, in the Panthers this year? Q. I don't think Q sniffs the Florida Panthers organization. I think Vinny. Really? Will you don't, him. you don't think behind the scenes at all. Mm-mm. No, I don't think that. Wow. I don't even think Q would be interested in that. I I think wow. Q is going to sit out a whole another year in the NHL. And look, 
in, okay. In my opinion, Vinny Viola would have absolutely brought Q back this year if there was an agreement with the NHL, clear him of whatever. Vinny Viola, I, I honestly, he's the, one of those owners of the NHL. I do not care about the negative press. I do not care about all that crap. I want to win. Okay. And then once you win hockey games, people shut up. That's just the case that it, it's the facts, right? So Q's not going to have any, any, any involvement in the organization. If I think Vinny Viola, Vinny Viola is a big Joe, John Quenville, Joe, Joel Quenville fan. So maybe, you know, he comes back, not this year, that the following year in a hockey operation sense. I don't know. I think Q loves the coach. He'll get a coaching gig down the line. He's a hall of fame coach. Like, It'll blow, over. It'll, it'll blow over it'll so, blow over uh i do know you have to get out of here cj so um we are going to shift into the tampa bay lightning now adam's team who well was- i can stay for a couple minutes just to, to like I, I got like three or four minutes here and then I'll, and then i'll and then i'll dip perfect you know what well it's a perfect segue question though because i was going to ask you the thing i was thinking of when we were talking about huberto and to chuck is what if we go back five years or maybe even three and you look at the Lightning roster at that time, and let's say their situation was different and they didn't have players that they could keep the way they did. I mean, the way that the Lightning kept their roster over these years is incredible, but let's just go back. Adam, if you had, let's say, a younger Steven Stamkos or a younger Andre Palat or a younger Kucherov who was in a Tuchuk situation and maybe had to leave, if you could get, let's say, a younger player like to Chuck in return for any of those Lightning players, do you think it would have been a good deal at that time? I mean, I think obviously you look at uh, 20, what was it, 17, 18, when Stamkos was was heading to free agency. And you yeah. look about, you know, he hadn't signed, you know, I think it was like three days before, before the deadline. He ended up signing that eight-year deal. I think if you kind of know that – it doesn't work financially for you guys. And, and you're looking at your roster and thinking to yourself, well, there's no way I'm keeping this guy. I, obviously you love to do that. You never want to let a player walk away for free. And with Huberto, I know his contract was kind of looming. I know he was going to be expensive. You look at guys down your roster and you're kind of thinking to yourself, I don't know how, how we're going to afford it. I think you, obviously you, you run away with that. It hurts watching anytime a fan favorite kind of leaves the organization. Like it hurts watching plot and McDonald leave the same way it hurts watching Huberto leave. But it, at the end of the day, it's a business. And if you can, you know, kind of salvage someone and turn it into into a king's ransom a little bit. I, I I'd be thrilled about it. So I think you know, watching what the Panthers did um, and what Bill Zito did, he turned nothing into something. I, it's unreal, kind of what how he maneuvered through that. Um, and I think any organization would say the same thing that they would love to have kind of a return like that, where a guy you know is probably on his way out and you, you bring in a new guy signed to an eight year deal. He's younger, he's faster, he's a little more physical built for the playoffs a little more. I think you take that all day. It's very and, akin. And I, and I love the move because it's just a smart move. It's very akin to what the Rangers did. They traded, it's not nearly the level of player, but they traded away Derek Broussard to Ottawa and they brought in Mika Zibanejad who didn't have as much younger, faster, better. They paid him right away and look at him now and look where Broussard is. So, Something uh, that I'll say, though, I think a, a big difference between the Lightning stars and let's just say Jonathan Huberto, because I don't think we have this issue with Barkov, right? Lightning players like Stamkos and Kucherov and Hedman, they're, the, the question, like the questioning their desire to win and lay it out all on the line has never been there. When you watch the Lightning play, even in the sweep to the Blue Jackets, 
they were doing everything they possibly could to win. There was when you watch on TV because I freaking quadruple downed on the lightning that series betting wise because I'm like, there's no way they get swept, right? Like I watched every single pass of the puck with cash with cash in that year. Okay. I never once was like, dude, what the hell is Stamkos doing? What is Kucherov doing? What is Hedman doing? Never once, not a single time. With Huberto, this whole playoffs last year, I'm sitting there and like even my dad, who's a huge Panthers fan, but like he doesn't watch around the league that much, right? He's like, Huberto is our star guy. He 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 was leading the league in points for the majority of the year. Where is he? What is he doing? He's on the ice and he doesn't do anything. He hasn't left. He like sits on the half boards waiting for a pass and then passes it off and no and no and no shooting. This had to have drove Bill Zito, who put his whole name on the line this past free agency window or or tran- uh, transfer deadline, trade deadline, right? You have to be sitting there as a GM like, I can't I can't even watch this. How am I going to pay this guy money? How, how am I going to pay this guy money when he's sitting there? It's like, we have a, tr- a shot this year. If we can get by the Lightning to make it to the Cup, that, that Panthers roster was loaded and the desire to win was not there. And if if it's that blatant to see, freaking Bizonet, but Paul Bitt, Biz and Gretzky and the guys on TNT said it too at in the intermission. Every single intermission, they're like, "What is this guy doing? He the 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 desire isn't there. He doesn't finish his checks. He doesn't get to the dirty areas. He's not a leader. He's not a winner." And that's just the case. It was fully exposed. And I don't think the Lightning would have turned around and made this exact same trade because you like if Kucherov is 30, 31 years old, and Tuchuk comes up and like they have to give Cooch and McDonough away for for Tuchuk or whatever. Like I don't know. Let's just talk about it out loud. I don't think the Lightning do that because the formula is clearly there that these guys know what it takes and know how to win when it comes down to the playoffs. You didn't trade Huberto away because of regular season, right? Regular season Huberto is going to get you wins. It doesn't matter because he's that's when you can freaking ballerina dance your way to the to to the to the net and score. They traded him away simply because of the playoffs. And the, the Lightning don't have that that, yeah. that problem. The Lightning have a clear formula of, screw you, we're going to come into your building and we're going to win. And I wouldn't trade that away for anything. No, yeah. No, I, I, listen, that's why they won all the Cups and went on the dynasty that they did. But looking at their roster now, I actually still like it. You know, you lose Palat, you lose McDonough. They still have a complete roster. I love the Nemestikov move. You can shift him wherever. He can play up the middle. He can play on a wing either side. Uh, he can go on the power play and kill penalties. He's a former Lightning um, who missed out on the Cups, Adam, uh, amazingly. So that's crazy. I mean, he was there before, and now he's coming after. Maybe he'll get one uh, while he's there this time. But I like that. I think Hagel can have an elevated role this year. I like to see that. But what I really love about what the Lightning did this offseason – is they locked up the new core. Uh, you know, it, it was Sorelli that got locked up to a big deal. Um, and then I'm, it's escaping me the other two. I think there were three uh, contracts. It was, it was Sorelli, Sergeyev, and Chernak. Yeah. I, I mean, so those guys are there for the next eight years at pretty good contract deal. I mean, Sergeyev got paid a lot, but deservedly so. And a lot of people thought it was an overpay. But for me, you win cups. You have to get paid for that. That, that gives you an elevated cap. And also, and a lot of people forget this too, and this is the case with the Panthers as well, Floridian teams get away with the cap because they don't have to deal with the income tax and you can fit in probably extra term and extra money or whatever you can do. That's how the Lightning were able to keep in in a large extent to why they were able to keep their players for so long, but now it's almost impossible. So just real quick, because I got to go. Two things I'm going to leave on here. Number one, 
I will never, and I'm not going to, I don't care how good they play the first few games. I will not buy into the Ottawa Senators at all. I do not believe that they're going to make the playoffs this year. I will put my neck out on the line. I do not believe they will. I think the Columbus Blue Jackets are a better team this year, and they would get in before the Senators. Dude, they just got Johnny Gaudreau. They just they just locked up Patrick Line. I like Columbus's defense way more than I like Ottawa's. Ooh. Give me the Columbus Blue Jackets over the Senators any day of the week in that wild card spot. Okay. Right. Okay. Number two. Wow. Pains me to say it, but I'll say it because it's just the facts. The Lightning are the gold standard in the Eastern Conference until somebody dethrones them. No one has dethroned them. So I don't care what their what their subtractions were. I don't care what their additions are. Until somebody beats them in the playoffs, they yeah, are the point. gold standard. It's yeah. just the facts. It is the facts. I don't care if the Maple Leafs go for 140 regular season points this year. doesn't matter. The Lightning are the gold standard in the Eastern Conference is what it is, but Talk to you guys soon. Appreciate you having me on. I'll, I can't wait to listen to this when it gets uploaded. Appreciate it. Good to see you, Adam. Yeah, take care, buddy. Good luck this year. See you, man. Oh, yeah. Good luck this year. I mean, you swept them last year. Now you're coming into this year, still up on them, probably. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's right, though. I mean, it's the gold standard. You can't go into this year being worried about the Lightning until they do anything but get to the Cup, and they've done that three consecutive years. Yeah. I mean, you look at this roster last year, I think, you know, Hagel and Paul being deadline acquisitions, it's always tough coming into a new organization like that. You're, you know, you just signed Paul to, to the seven-year deal. Hagel's going into a contract year now. He's looking to get paid after his 38 goals, whatever it was last year. Um, you know, you're looking at them to step up into a bigger role this year. Um, you're looking at some rookies to step up. Obviously, Sorelli being out until I believe it's December, that's going to hurt any team. Anytime a guy is in the sulky conversation and, and he's going to be out for any significant amount of time. You're looking at it in Boston too, with, with some of the core guys that they're going to be missing for a couple, for a couple of months there. I mean, it, it's going to affect the team. So you're looking at, at some of the new guys that they've brought in to, to strengthen the D core. You're looking at those guys to step up this year, especially in the absence of plot up front on the back end. I mean, McDonough leaving, that's, that's huge for any team, a guy that you can throw out there in the final minute of a game in any penalty killing situation you know he's going to block shots he's been a rock with Chernak for the last three years and you know obviously Chernak just got paid as well so you're looking at those two and, and saying you know who's Chernak going to play with he needs to step up his game after the contract he signed too but I'm looking at at Sergeyev and saying this guy's now going to be making eight and a half over the next eight years he needs to step up and fill that role and from everything that I've heard in training camp so far from what he's done in the offseason I'm really looking forward to, to seeing what he's doing so I think you guys are both right that until, you know, they've been dethroned as the Kings of the East, they are still the top of the bar. So, you know, you're going to need guys to step up, but I have faith in this team. I have faith in, in the top five guys, you know, Stamco's point points going to be healthy. Kutrov's going to get a full 82 this year. Hopefully, hopefully. Uh, Hemmings not going to go down fast. He's still the best goaltender in the world world. Yes. I'll fight you on that. He um, is. He absolutely he is. is. Good. Okay. I just had to make sure we're on the same page there, but you're looking at the core five there and you're thinking they're not going to slow down. They're still hungry. You're looking at guys who just signed contracts, guys who are kind of new to the organization. They're hungry. They want it as well. So I'm looking, I'm excited for the outlook of this team. And like I keep, like we all keep saying until they're dethroned, they are the standard in the East. No, absolutely. But uh, now I'm ready to get out of the state of Florida uh, and get to the rest of the East. But it, I, I didn't have this plan until he had this wild take Columbus over Ottawa uh, in the final playoff spot. I mean, listen, 
I don't want to just throw Columbus out because they they did add Johnny Goudreau. They did add extend Patrick Line. I like Wierenski. Wierenski had a really quiet, good year last year, um, still producing offensive points. And I don't really look at the plus minus with a team like that, but they have their goaltending tandem that they, you know, kind of still throw out there, which if it scares us about the Panthers, it scares me about the Blue Jackets who weren't really able to put points together. But when I look at the rest of the Blue Jackets lineup, I don't really see a true number one center. Uh, I, I don't, you know, so I, I don't see the depth for them. Whereas I look at Ottawa and even if some of their young guys don't pan out, they still have depth up there. Like they, they've got Norris and Stutzla and, and, uh, and Giroux now and Batherson and, and uh, Debrinkat. They've got dudes uh, on that offense. So whereas Columbus, you can name two or three guys. So I, for me, I get there's hype with Ottawa, but I think for good reason. No, I think, you know, either, either way you look at it, you look at the Metro and you, you think about all the teams they have over there. Like the Rangers, they're going to be good. Carolina's going to be good. Pittsburgh's always pesky. Washington's in the mix. I think the Islanders take another step up. The Devils got better. The only team you're really looking at that's not doesn't have a fighting chance in the Metro is Philly. Yep. So I think for Columbus to have to kind of claw their way from the cellar all the way back up into the top, say five spots, because I think the Metro's got five playoff teams this year. I think it's just way harder for Columbus to kind of claw their way in. Now you look at, you look at, you know, the Atlantic division and you think, okay, you got Toronto, you got the Panthers and you've got the lightning, those three teams, but you know, it's, it's the beginning of the year, but they're locks for the playoffs. You know, yeah. some, somehow, some way I'm going to jinx that, but they're locks for the playoffs. And you look at the rest of the teams, Montreal is not going to be very good with price out. Um, obviously we're talking about Ottawa here. Um, you know, Boston, they're hurt up front. So I don't, I think they get out to a slow start out of the gates. Detroit got only, better. Yeah. Detroit got better, but they're still not ready to contend. You know, so I think you're looking up and down in, in the Atlantic and thinking to yourself, if Ottawa can kind of take advantage of these lower level teams and compete with the top three, I think they can have an actual chance to contend for that wild card spot, just because the Metro is such a bloodbath that it's going to be hard to gain points on other teams. So I think there's no doubt Columbus got better in my mind, but I agree with you. I think Ottawa's depth is better. I think their goaltending is a little bit better too. Who They picked up the, uh, the guy from, uh, from Minnesota. Um, I think he comes in. Yeah, Cam Talbot. Yep. Cam Talbot. I think he comes in. Thank you. He uh, comes in and is their starter. And I think you look at Columbus to run the 1A1B. I think Ottawa's goaltending is better. Uh, I think their defense on the back end, I mean, guys are going to, you have Shabbat, you've got uh, young guys who are ready to kind of zoom those roles. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you go, I, I just think that Ottawa's depth is better. Now, I don't necessarily think either team makes the playoffs. I think it's still yeah. in their rebuilds. But if I'm looking at comparing one of the others based off of the big offseason they have of bringing in big free agents, I'm looking at Ottawa to take that bigger step over Columbus. No, it's a bold pick, though. And and if Columbus is in contention, it will truly show the value of Johnny Gaudreau because he was on a great team last year. Now he's going to have to be the guy. Yeah. Uh, he was the guy in Calgary. But when you have to chuck and all those guys helping you out, that's some help over there. So that's going to be uh, – I, I want to see if the Blue Jackets do better than, than people think now. But the East is so ridiculously loaded. And when you mention the Metro and you say – well, the Flyers are pretty much the team that you look at. They're not really there. The Devils, they got better, but they're not going to climb up and, and beat these other teams. I mean, they got better. I like Pilat, and they made some other trade, like they brought in Ericola and stuff like that, uh, which is a depth move. But um, they're still developing for me. 
they got better at the end of last season as well. That's another thing of note, but it's going to be those top six in the Metro, whether, you know, I think the Rangers are one of those top three. Um, I think Carolina, and this is where it's tough, where I think, and this isn't even a biased point of view. I think the Rangers are assuredly one of those top three. And I don't know who the other two are of those top three because Carolina subtracted Pittsburgh's older and they subtracted, but they're still good. These are still good teams. The Islanders could jump up. Um, uh, I'm I'm forgetting now memory. Uh, Washington, Washington, right. They're there all the time and they got better uh, adding Kemper, a goaltender. Like that's a, that's such an underrated move. So who are those other two? But I think the Rangers are one of those top three. Yeah, um, uh, for me, it's the Rangers and the and the Hurricanes as they're going to be dogging it out, kind of like they were last year as to who who wins that division and the third seed of who who wants to play those two. I think it's going to be bloodbath. Uh, I mean, obviously Pittsburgh, Washington, they're always just one way or another in the playoffs. Regular season, they're they're finding a way to battle each other, so they'll be fighting in between themselves. Um, obviously, Columbus. I think the beginning of the year, I think they get hot out of the gates and they kind of cool off a little bit um Phillies aren't gonna be good Devils aren't gonna be good the Islanders can make a jump I mean that third I would say that third spot while the, I still think the Metro's better I still think they have five playoff teams it, it, that third spot is very much up for grabs and I think that just shows like how good that division is you can make an argument for any one of those teams to to you know not be in a wild card battle yeah and for me I, I think if Washington had 100 points last year without stable goaltending and now you're bringing in Kemper it almost makes me want to put them in as one of those three because I mean, they, they even added a piece in the bottom nine um, so that I, I like the, excuse me, bottom six. So I like that as well. Um, yeah, I like Washington in there. I think Carolina, it's a safe pick, but they subtracted as well. I don't like the Brent Burns move at all. Uh, I, I mean, he's 37 years old. This is not five years ago, Brent Burns. So Trocek's a loss. They didn't really replace him. So where's your second, third line center? Uh, at this point. So it, it, it's a little bit, their depth subtracted in Carolina. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, obviously they brought in some pieces. They brought in Pacioretty, who's, who's going to be out for, for a little bit, but yeah, he, uh, he's out obviously, but yeah, but I think when he comes back in, it's a veteran piece. Burns is a veteran piece. They brought in Paul Stasny, a veteran piece. So I think they are kind of looking at their window and saying, Hey, we have a lot of these young guys here, but I mean, yeah. they, 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 except for the one time they made it, to the conference final in 2019, I believe it was against Boston. They didn't win a single game. They got swept over yet. So I think, I think uh, their GM is, uh, is looking at the team and saying, we need guys who have, who have won in this league who are, who at least have been successful because none of the three they brought in have won a cup, but they've all been to Stanley cup finals. So I think you're looking at a team that is trying to get older and, and have that veteran leadership in the locker room, kind of like, you know, the lightning bringing in a Pat Murray who had been the only one to win a cup in 2019 when lightning first did it or 2020 excuse me when the lightning first did it so you're trying to bring in guys to help the help the culture of it help you know bring experience to the team so sometimes getting old is a little bit scary sometimes it could help i'll be interested to see what carolina does but i think in no way do they fall off i think they're still in contention for for the metropolitan division probably still the president's trophy wow hey i'll say two bold takes before this halfway intermission number one aho before he uh, he has to win something before we call him a superstar i don't think he has takeover mode that's number one number two second bold take toronto is not as good as people think what are they doing at goalie uh, you get rid of jack campbell it's matt murray and samsona i don't get that what the, the, we we love them going into last season 
because the previous season before that, they had goaltending issues. Then they addressed goalie. They didn't win. And now they regress in goaltending. So I, I don't understand that. We'll talk about that more uh, when we come back. So, Adam, I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, they, they regressed in goaltending. And, I mean, CJ's on he's, – he's acting like they're going to have this enormous season. You seem to agree with him, and I think they're, they regressed. So, I'm not going to argue with you. Their goaltending absolutely got worse, which is weird to say because I don't even think Jack Campbell is that good. But we'll talk about that when we get, you know, over to the West Coast and we talk about the Pacific Division. But um, Toronto's one of those teams where they can outscore any team at will that they want. Their goaltending regressed, yes, but Matt Murray, you know, we can talk about him having a bounce back year, whatever. I think he's got enough goal scoring in front of him that he can be successful. He didn't obviously have that in Ottawa. Um, but the thing that, that still bothers me about Toronto is to look at teams that have been successful or that we are projecting to be successful. Colorado, they had depth. They had guys blocking shots. They had guys who wanted, you know, to throw the body. Uh, Florida. You look at them now, bringing in Kachuk, restructuring their bottom six. They are built for playoff hockey. What is, where's Toronto's physicality? Giordano, everyone wants to talk about Giordano's cheap contract to allow the superstars to say, that's great. What have those superstars done? Like, I, I, you look at the team and yet they have all the talent in the world to be successful and they just, they don't have what I would call that playoff style of hockey. And it's the thing that's kept them back is their superstars, they produce. You know, Matthews had, I think, five goals in the series. Tavares, you know, I don't remember how many goals he had, but I remember thinking he was – there were six of them out there when, when we played them in, in round one. So they have the pieces there. They just – they don't have that physicality to get – to stay in games late to when it's a one-goal game, can you battle back? Because another team's going to dump the puck in, hit you in the corner, and you can't really break out. I think that's been the fault for them for the last – three, four years, however long it's been, and it's going to continue to hurt them this year. They can have regular season success. I think they will have regular season success, but I think when playoff time rolls around, unless they make a deadline deal, I think you're going to be having the same storyline. They, they are not physical enough to contend in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I'm totally with you. I mean, they, they got beat by the Lightning because of that, and I think they're going to continue to lose because of that. Um, and then the last team we'll talk about in the East is the Rangers. We'll do it a little quick. So, you always get on me about the forward lines. You know, I'm going in a little optimistic about, you know, the, the way that they're trying to shake this out. So a lot of people, and including my dad, you know, he liked moving Lafreniere off the kid line and his natural left wing and saying, put him in the top six with Kreider and Zibanejad or with Panarin and uh, Trocek and, and, and put him with the big guys. And, it looks like, according to Coach Gallant, that they're not going to do that. They're going to do the kid line to start the year. Lafreniere, Heedle, and Kako, everyone loved that line at the end of the year. But how are they going to replace those top six right wingers? If you don't have Kako and Lafreniere in your top six, who is it going to be? Last year they had Vetrano, uh, 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 and they would use uh, – I'm forgetting now who they put in the top six right wing. Oh, they used Andrew Kopp as a right wing last year. Now both of them are gone. And so who's going to replace? Well, they have Sammy Blay currently projected. Coach Gallant said it's going to be Kreider, Zabanajad, Blay. And then you're going to have Panarin, Trocek, and Kraftsoff. And Vitaly Kraftsoff is finally here. He's a top prospect going into last season. He was the top Russian forward in the KHL in terms of his age group uh, in, in the history of the KHL, above Ovechkin, above all these guys. And then he came in, he had a hissy fit in training camp, 
and then they shipped him back to Russia for a season, bumming us all out. We're like, are you kidding me? This was the year. Here he comes, Vitaly Kravtsov, and now it seems like he's in there. He's in the top six, and he's going to be put in a good spot. I mean, the guy's six foot three. He's got great hands. He's got a great shot, yada, yada, yada. So but the thing is, they're going to have to sit, depend on a guy who's never played in the NHL to work well with Panarin and Trocek and a guy in Sammy Blay who's coming off an ACL to be a first-line right winger. Now, I don't think they're expecting him to be a 30-goal scorer. I think more so they're putting him in that spot because he's six foot three and he's going to create space for Kreider and Zibanejad. I think that's more of his purpose, and if he gets goals, he gets goals. Uh, he, they're not expecting him to be a producer. They're just putting him there as a big body, I think. So if you're going in with that mindset of, some of these, you know, blaze in there to serve a purpose. Kraftsoff's in there to be a big body and, and to kind of get goals off of Panarin and Trocek. And then you got a third line that's figuring it out and a fourth line with Goudreau and Reeves that they're going to mishmash whoever that other forward is in that fourth line throughout the year. Is that strategy going to work, do you think, with a top six, I guess, where the right wings are, what are you going to get? I mean, I think anytime you... Guys are in the NHL. They can adapt to positions. They're skilled enough to kind of figure out where they need to be and, and where the puck needs to end up. So I'm not really worried about trying to fill guys in, you know, necessarily in that right-wing spot. You can fill, you can find a right-handed guy and just kind of put him in that spot and, and see if he's successful. So I'm not necessarily worried about that. It's more of, for me, it's a chemistry thing, thing you know. Um, guy, you know, Blazing and uh, Krasov coming in. These are guys that really, you know, Blaze was on the team last year. He went through training camp before he got hurt, but he hasn't really gotten that much game experience with guys. You know, Kraftsoff, you know, he's coming in from overseas. You know, he hasn't really played with a lot of these guys except for training camp last year before he threw his little fit. So that's what more worries me. I think for that reason, I think the Rangers get out to a slow start, and I think you could see some lines shuffle around. I think the kid line, I'm not expecting them to slow down. I think they had such a good playoffs last year. It kind of forces Golan's hand. To, to keep them on the same line, but that's something that can easily be, be kind of split up and said, you know, it's not working. Let's go try mix around lines. And that's the beauty of an 82 game schedule is you can mix guys around and you can kind of see what works and what doesn't. That's how the kid line ended up becoming the kid line. It's just, you're just throwing guys together and, and seeing, seeing what happens. So for me, the Rangers, I mean, anytime you have Shisterkin in that, I'm going to call him the number two goaltender just to kind of float your boat here, Jacob. But I mean, but he is, he is the number two goaltender. I, I have no problem admitting that. Um, I think on the back end, I mean, you've still got Jacob Trouba on the back end. You've got guys around him. The captain now. Yeah, yeah, the captain. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about Trouba being in captain? Are you surprised it wasn't uh, Kreider, Sabanajad? I know there's been a lot of uh, jokes about even Panarin not being named captain. Did it surprise you that that Trouba was named the captain? It did. I mean, he's one of the quiet leaders of the team. Um, you, you always kind of see him on the bench. He's the vet, I guess you could say, of the group. Uh, where he's not that old, but he's more seasoned, I think, than some of the other guys. Not Panarin, but uh, Panarin was never really a leader for this group. I think Panarin's there to score goals and make nifty passes and um, and stuff like that. Zabanajad, I think it would be too much pressure on him to make him the number one center and the captain. I think he he has great seasons, just let it keep going. And same thing with Kreider. If you make him the captain – after a 50 goal season, it's like, hey, go score 40 goals again. You're the captain where I don't know if they're, you know, quite a great season. You have the tip in goals and all that. Is that replicatable? Is that a word replicatable? Uh, it, what works for the context, I guess. 
but is can he do that again? Because that's a lot of chance. I get that that skill, standing in front of the net and tipping in a lot of goals, but that was a lot of his goals, and he scored 52 of them. He ain't going to do that again. So, you know, that regression may have put pressure on him with the captaincy. Truba can kind of just be that second pair right-handed defenseman who's there to block shots, be the defensive stalwart. Uh, Adam Fox is the guy who makes all the nice plays. He's the number one righty D. Uh, Truba can kind of do his thing and be the captain. I, I kind of like it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't, I don't think, I don't view Panarin really as a captaincy type of guy. I think he's just one of those guys who's kind of like a Kucherov who you don't really view as a leader on the team, but you know he's good for, you know, guys like that in this league are good for a point a night. So I, you know, I view him kind of that same way. I don't really view Zibanejad as that leader, anyways. I, I view him as kind of just like that alternate captain, just one of those guys that's going to yeah. lead by example. Yeah, on and, the and all three of those guys have A's. Right, right, and then that won't change this year either. Um, and you know, obviously, I was surprised Kreider wasn't just uh, strictly based on the longevity vote. Yeah, I was surprised it wasn't Kreider, but I think the reaction it was of, of Truba being named captain. I think that's more of a locker room thing. Is that I think. Yeah, all the three guys I just mentioned, I think they're going to go out and lead by example. I think Truba, while he does that same thing, I think he's more of a locker room guy. One that's going to go in there, stand up in intermission, kind of, you know, kick the guys in the ass a little bit and say, hey, let's get to work here. Like, that was not our best period. Like, let's let's flip the script here and, and work a little harder and be successful this for this next 20. So um, I wasn't I was I was surprised about it, too. I thought it was definitely going to be Kreider, but. The, from the reaction reactions I've heard, it sounds like it was the right choice, and I, I'm excited to see what he does. Because anytime you're named captain, I think you you try and elevate your game a little bit. Same thing with Sergeyev and the Lightning. You know, he's not named captain, but he just signed an eight year deal. I think yeah. that kind of forces guys to kind of elevate their game. So I'm interested to see, you know, if Truba's able to take another step in his game. Yeah, because he listen, he's good, but he made some bad plays in the playoffs last year, and he was slow at times. So he has to improve in some areas, that's for sure. Only other thing I'll say about the Rangers, that left side defenseman third pair is up for battle in camp, whether it's Matt Robertson, Libor Hayek, or Zach Jones. Um, I, it's a similar position, and I'm going to say it on air because I tweet it all the time. Uh, last year I had the whole big take. I like Braden Schneider more than Nils Lundqvist and ended up playing out that way. Schneider's now locked in. He's that guy. Nils Lundqvist traded to Dallas. Left side of the D, it's the same situation this year. Zach Jones, smaller, has offensive upside, much like Nils Lundqvist. I like him. If he moves the puck well, he's not a bad player. But Matt Robertson, six foot four, 225 pounds. He's a hard hitter. Uh, he has offensive skill as well. I think that he will eventually be the guy, but they might give Jones the chance initially because he broke in first, and Hayek's just going to be that spare defenseman. Uh, and Igor's a lock in defense, and then they'll figure out the fourth line center. Yeah, I mean, for me, you look at what's going to be more of a playoff style hockey type of guy, you know, a smaller guy who's able to move the puck up well and maybe score from the back end, which defenseman scoring is always a good thing, but it's not necessarily their only role. Or are you going to pick up a guy on the third line defenseman who is going to throw his weight around, you know, probably can score, you know, a handful of goals. I'm not really looking at that for my third line defenseman. So for me, uh, I think, uh, what was his name? The six five guy. Sorry, Matt Robertson prospect. Yeah, I think I think it's Robertson's spot to lose. Just strictly thinking of playoff hockey, who do you want there? It's me. It's it's Robertson. And I think you look at at the other guy. I think Adam Fox already fills that role as the guy who can rush the puck up on on exactly. run your first power play. I don't think you need a replica of Adam Fox. So 
give me Robertson on the back end, throw in Hybeck, Hijek, we'll never say his name right, <laughs> throw him <laughs> throw him in as the seventh guy and, and give 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 the other kid a, another year in the minors, let him, let him develop his game a little more. Maybe he develops a back end side or maybe you dangle him a little bit as, as a trade deadline piece. So I, I think it's a good problem to have on the back end, but for me, give me, give me Robertson as a little bit of a buffer guy on the back end. Yeah. And, and Lindgren and Miller, no problems at all. I'm confident as hell in them. I think Miller's going to have an even better season defensively. He was getting there across the season, but yeah. I'm talking offensively. He's starting to join the rush and he's got great skill. I think he's going to pot a few more goals this year, but moving on to the West um, it's weak. I mean, it, it, it's weak. The abs got worse. The Oilers got a little bit better. They got Jack Campbell and goal. Hopefully that, I mean, we have been saying like a broken record every year we do these previews, Edmonton, get a goalie, Edmonton, get a goalie. They finally got one in Jack Campbell. But other than that, I, I mean, St. Louis is kind of just there. I think they have a very solid squad, but they have goaltending concerns as well. Dallas is kind of just there. Vegas is older. They missed the playoffs. Arizona's a non-factor. I don't even know why I said Arizona. San Jose's a non-factor. Anaheim, I think they could slip in because they're younger. LA, kind of the same case. Vancouver, weak. Uh, Seattle, weak. Winnipeg, pretty weak. Where's the challengers? I mean, Nashville and Minnesota, I mean, they they flop every year in the playoffs. So the West is very, very non-interesting and weak to me. Yeah, um, obviously the East is, I mean, for me, the best and Calgary. Is, sorry, Calgary's good. Yeah, and I mean, for for me, obviously, you look at the East and Metropolitan Division is the best division in the East. You look at the West, and I'd say the Central Division is the best division. Now, which division is better of the two? I think it's the Metro. So, from that thinking, I think the East is the better division, but or the better uh, conference. But I don't think necessarily you can discount teams. Colorado. It'll be interesting to see if a couple of hangover kind of looms. Uh, obviously, they lost some pieces. Uh, they got Georgiev as their one as their one in net now. That's going to yeah. change the dynamic of the team a little bit. So I wouldn't say necessarily Colorado got worse, but their team definitely looks different. St. Louis, they didn't really upgrade anything, but I still think they can have a lot of success. I still believe that if Bennington didn't get hurt, uh, St. Louis wins that series. I will sit on my deathbed with that. Um, you know, Nashville, they got they got better obviously um minnesota they're always a pesky team and now they get a full year of uh mark andre flurry in that as their as their starter i think that can improve their team a lot so i think you're looking at the central i think you're looking at probably four or five teams out of the central i mean i would name it you know minnesota nashville um dallas i think kind of just always hangs around i can see yeah. the fifth seed um you know and then you got and ottinger is very good yeah yeah, he and they got him signed up too. If they can get Robertson signed up, I know he hasn't shown up in training camp yet. This is still kind of work out their contract, but uh, if he can get him signed or even trade him out for a, for a good piece, I think Dallas can. That helps Dallas obviously. I think they can kind of make some noise too. So I wouldn't say I would agree that the Westness is is weaker, but that doesn't mean I don't think they've got contenders in there. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the five for me is uh, you know Dallas, Nashville. Um, Minnesota, Colorado, and whew, I mean, it's not Winnipeg. It's not, uh, not Arizona, not Chicago. So maybe, maybe it's a four and four this year and you get, and, and this can kind of shift into, you have some younger teams in the Pacific. I think that you have Calgary as a lock and Edmonton as a lock yep. as the top two, but other than that, I mean, so could we go Anaheim maybe? Do you think they, I mean, they added Ryan Strom and Frank Petrano 
Zegras switched uniform numbers this year. He's more legit now. Let's go. Cover of NHL 23. But um, the Ducks, I mean, I, I, I kind of like their squad. I mean, John Gibson finally getting a little bit of help. Um, the back end is a little, a little bit iffy for me, but I, I like the Ducks as a team in that particular division to when they're matching up against the Sharks and the Canucks and the Kraken a lot that they can probably win the majority of those games. But you could say the same case for the Kings. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I think, like you said, the Golden Knights. yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think, like you said, uh, Calgary and Edmonton are locks for the playoffs. Uh, I don't necessarily know who's going to finish first. I think they're going to be dogging it out all year, which will give some life to the Battle of Alberta. Because I think we all necessarily thought that once uh, once they traded to Kachuk and, and lost some other pieces, I think we all or and uh, lost Goudreau in free agency. I think we were all kind of thinking that, oh, there goes the Battle of Alberta. No, they've brought in Kadri. They brought in Huberto and Uyghur. Um, their goal, Markstrom's still a solid goaltender in net. Um, you know, I think, you know, obviously Calgary's still going to be one of those top teams. I think you're looking at the three spot. I think it's LA again. I think they've got the right pieces in that. They bring in uh, uh, Kevin Fiala. And, uh, uh, that's going to improve their roster. Um, so I like LA as that third seed. And if we want to talk about a fourth team, I think it would be between Vegas and Vancouver. Now, I don't necessarily think either one's going to make a lot of noise if they did make the playoffs. But I think if we're talking about a four and four, uh, those are the two teams I'm looking at dogging out for that fourth spot. Cause I mean, yeah. you're looking at, uh, and maybe Anaheim too. I mean, it depends on how ready their, their young guys are. I don't necessarily think they are that ready, but I think we do see a jump to where next year we're talking about them being a threat for the playoffs. So, um, you know, and San Jose is not a threat. Um, you know, Seattle, uh, Seattle low key, they got a little better, but they're, they don't have superstar. No, they don't have that one guy. I think they're going to be relying on uh, on Shane Wright and uh, Matt Beniers too much. I don't necessarily view them as a threat either. Um, but you look at, you know, the bot, you know, I don't necessarily think Anaheim or I think Anaheim and Seattle are kind of in that same spot. Like they have a good core, but they don't necessarily have that, that one guy that's going to be like, this is what makes them like a, a fantastic playoff contending team. So um, the Pacific, I think, is a little bit more set than it is in the Central, but I think you still have some, obviously some pretty good teams out there. Yeah. And, and in terms of Calgary, I mean, I, I like the way that they're shaped up. I mean, you know, you lose, like you said, I mean, you lose uh, uh, to Chuck and, and Goudreau, but then to add in Huberto, Kadri, and Uyghur, I mean, it's almost an even trade-off. They added to their, not, not even, even because those two are superstars, but to add in an MVP candidate from last year with a center and Kadri, who I think is heavily overrated. I mean, last season was the first season in four or five years that he had even close to that level of point production. But I think he'll replicate it again in, in Calgary and uh, they'll have Toffoli for the whole year, which I think uh, Sutter will love uh, up there in Calgary, Coach Sutter. So I like Calgary. I like Edmonton. They'll be in there. So uh, is, this, is this the year that Arizona plays in the college uh, arena? Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be the uh, that's gonna be the best storyline out of Arizona. Is they're playing at Mullet Arena, which is just a fantastic name. But Mullet that's Arena. About, yeah, that's the name oh. of it. Oh. So that that's gonna be the highlight of Arizona. They're they're playing for uh, Connor Bedard. Uh, they're playing for him. So uh, yeah, not not much to say about Arizona. Uh, have fun. That's drink. I mean, it's a college town. It's gonna be the games are gonna be rowdy. They're gonna have a good fan base, and hopefully, <laughs> when that new when that new arena comes up, you know, all these college kids. They'll have some jobs, they'll have some money to spend, and they can uh, they can uh, invest in some season tickets for them. But that's about that's about the best things I can say about Arizona right now. Isn't that weird, like you go to college, it's like, hey, we got an NHL team on camp. Like what? Like, yeah, that's so weird. 
like I'm trying to get people to come out to, to, you know, USF games and, you know, someone else's buddy's like, yeah, let's go to the Coyotes game tonight at, you know, it's like a three minute walk. Like, okay. Yeah. I mean, they, they will, they, maybe they get kind of some hype around that. Like, I mean, that could theoretically be something, but man, like what is even the, are we up? Do you, are you updated at all on that? Like, are they looking at something in Arizona? Are they going to move to Texas? Like what's. Um, so obviously uh, Texas, uh, Houston will always be a, uh, a talking point while they're playing on a college campus. Um, but the plan right now is for them to still uh, be, be in Arizona. I think they're looking in downtown Arizona um, and kind of build a stadium out there. They haven't started, they haven't broken ground on anything yet. They're planning oh. to play at this college arena for the next three or four years. Oh. Uh, so it's going to be a bit of a struggle for them to not play in a, in, not necessarily an NHL arena, but like with the fan capacity, um, it'll be a bit of a struggle for them, but it still could be fun. I mean, I think we look back on something like this and like, Hey, remember when carrot, when, uh, you know, when Arizona played in a, in a college on a college campus, I think it's going to be, it's going to feel like an exhibition game like every night kind of, and the way yeah. the team's put together, it, it does feel like a bunch of guys that shouldn't be in the NHL except outside of a, outside of Clayton Keller. So, and, and, uh, 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 Jacob Trickren, who's on his way out of town anyways. So. Oh yeah. He's out, bro. He is first game. He's in there. He's gonna be like, I'm not doing this again. Get me out of here. Yeah, it's a, Arizona's going to be interesting. They're, they're going to be a fun team to watch this year and see. Uh, a, a few years ago, I think they, it was either them or Colorado. They set the record for, like, worst team ever. I think they could be uh, – that's the only thing they're – that's the only record they're challenging for this year. Oh, worse than Seattle, too, by far. Like, you can't even – so, uh, all right. So, last thing I wanted to address was some retirements from the uh, NHL offseason. Sedano Chara, P.K. Subban, and Keith Yandel on their way out of the league. Um, Subban surprised me. I thought he could get a PTO. Yandel, not so much. He set his record and he's not that good anymore. He knows it. He was just playing to get that record pretty much. Um, and then Chara, he's old and, and what a career for him. I just wanted to mention those retirements. Those are, those are names. I mean, when, when I started watching hockey, those were the dudes, uh, in, in the defensive rankings at the top. Yeah. Uh, definitely, definitely makes me feel old. I mean, obviously Chara has been in the league since, he played 20 years. He was literally in the league since I was born. Like every <laughs> hockey memory I have, Zidane Char was in the league. So oh. it, it's kind of weird to think about that. I'm so glad he retired a Bruin. Uh, that, that's awesome for him. He deserves it. His number's going to be in the Raptors over there. So it, it was cool to see that. Um, Yandel, I think we all kind of knew he was going to retire after after uh, Philly scratched him and he lost the Ironman streak. I think we all kind of knew it was coming. Um, but he had a hell of a career, obviously, you know, watching him it for yourself in New York every night and being him being – you know, part of the Panthers for so long, uh, being able to watch him up close like that, uh, hell of a player, uh, hell of a career. Uh, obviously, it's kind of sad to watch him go too, but uh, very, very cool. Nonetheless, I agree with you with Subban. I'm surprised he couldn't get a PTO somewhere. I mean, obviously, he wasn't that great in, in Jersey, but I think you take a flyer on a guy who was that good when he was in Montreal. Um, if you're going to sign a guy to a PTO, I know Anton Strawman. He signed with Boston on a PTO. Would you rather have Subban or Strawman? Right, that's what I thought. I'd probably rather take Subban. So um, I'm a little surprised that, that he was the one to go, but I also think he kind of, his mentality switched to kind of go to social media. I know he's got something coming out on ESPN plus. Yeah. Um, I think he kind of, his mind has shifted a little bit into the post post stages of his career into the broadcast role. I think he's just kind of embracing it. So who knows? It could have been his decision to retire. He could have had offers on the table and was just like, hey, you know what? It's not for me anymore. Uh, Nonetheless, whatever's going on behind the scenes, uh, 
still a little surprised that it happened, but you know, hell of a career for him to stick taps for him. Yeah, we'll see him uh, hosting more NHL award shows up at the ESPN studios. So uh, PK Subban is not going away. So NHL season is starting up this week. We're gonna most likely, and this is because of the uh, the hurricane that's coming in. Adam and I are right kind of near it. Uh, we're in the Tampa area, so uh, we wanted to get this pod in today, uh, but likely we'll not be able to get in a football one. We'll probably be able to get in backyard bets to bet the games for this weekend, but not really a review of last weekend or anything like that uh, with the hurricane coming in. I'm going to try and get baseball in today as well. Uh, but thank you, Adam, for coming on. Hopefully your lightning go down finally this year. I mean, whoever it is, I mean, I hope it's my team, but I'd even take the Panthers this time. I mean, just somebody other than you. It's too much. I have different opinions on that, but uh, we'll let the regular season play do the talking. Okay. All right. Hey, I will be at Emily Arena New Year's Eve. It's the tradition now, Rangers at Lightning. It's marked on my calendar. And we yeah. win. It, for me, it's the yearly winning tradition because it's been a win the last few times I've won. I mean, it, yeah, that's fine. You know, my yearly winning tradition normally comes in June anyway. So that's <laughs> fine. Uh, that's a good place to end it. All right. You can follow us on Strictly on Twitter at Strictly Sports P, Facebook and Instagram at Strictly Sports Productions. You can follow us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and all that stuff as well. For Adam Kupferman and CJ Uri, I'm Jacob Brown, and we will see you next week.